Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, the effective hiring manager missing chapters. Reasons to say no, number one, being unprepared. The questions this cast answers are, what are good reasons to say no to a candidate? How should I handle an unprepared interviewee? And what preparation should I expect from candidates? We recently put out um, our most recent book, The Effective Hiring Manager, and part of the book, as Mark had written it, um, were not included. There were several chapters um, that were left out, some of those chapters being about the reasons to rule candidates out, one of them being an unprepared candidate. Unprepared candidates, they tell us things like they don't care about us, they don't care about the interview, uh, or they don't care about preparation in general, none of which are things that we want to see from our successful candidate. Now, this cast itself, super timely. Um, we're actually going to be in the Washington, D.C. area in just a couple of weeks um, with our effective hiring manager conference. So those of you that are in the area are interested in that, uh, we will be there November 12th in D.C. Check it out online. So, Kate, um, give us our outline. We have four topics today. We're going to start with you can't have it both ways. We're going to talk about a lack of self-knowledge, a lack of knowledge of the role or the organization, and a lack of knowledge of basic questions. Let's start with you can't have it both ways. Well, hold on, though. We, I mean, <laughs> this is so exciting. We, we're totally skipping over the coolest thing about this cast for us, which is that it's the first cast for Manager Tools that isn't recorded by at least Mark or Mike. So that's pretty exciting for us. Super exciting. And this is the first time that Kate and I have recorded together. That's also true. Two very cool, exciting things happening today. We're the only ones who are excited about it, but uh, we're I'm pretty excited. So. <laughs> Other people are thinking, okay, well, that's cool, but also maybe you should talk about what you came here to talk about. And that's a good point. That's really good point. Fair. All right. So as far as interviews are concerned, you can't have it both ways. You can't talk about being stressed out about interviews and then not prepared. You can't be unconcerned and then not prepare. That makes sense. You can stress and you can prepare to ameliorate that stress. But you can't stress and then not do anything by way of preparation to alleviate that. Mark said it before, right? You can be lazy as long as you're not picky. Lazy means you don't have a choice. But lazy and picky together, they do not mix. Uh, it's not a recipe for success. If you're stressed about something, of course, you would, in order to alleviate that, in order to feel better, in order to do well, right? Of course, because we assume your stress is directed at the idea that you won't do well in the interview. You need to prepare. Absolutely. There's a ton of guidance out there about interview preparation for candidates, all kinds of stuff. Um, and if you've listened to us for a while, you know that a lot of it, maybe most of it, which doesn't belong to us, right? is really bad. There's there's all kinds of stuff out there. And and I think we've talked about the Christmas rule before, but in interviewing, I think it's very common that we get bad guidance. And a big part of what we believe is that that's because people don't practice, they don't prepare, they do it rarely. And so they suffer from a lack of just familiarity with the process and, and just, you know, you do it rarely, you're not as good as you're going to be if you have a lot of practice right. at it. So even though there's a lot of guidance out there. One thing that everybody talks about 
is how important interviews are. Yeah, absolutely. They give you ways to to calm your nerves, which the Wall Street Journal just ran a big dumb article about. Yeah. Clearly, we wouldn't be calming our nerves for something trivial. Yeah. They talk about how interviews are opaque. You don't know how you did. There's no way for you to know that information. Well, no one cares about seeing into things that don't matter to them. <laughs> right. I don't need clarity in that, in something that's immaterial to me. Right. If being an opaque wouldn't be a problem if you didn't care. <laughs> right? They talk about how frustrating interviewers can be. If the interview wasn't important to the candidate, how the interviewer behaved wouldn't matter. No one would care. Right? It doesn't matter. This is unimportant to me. How they behave is irrelevant. But it's not. Yeah. It's obviously our stress level is a, a reflection of the seriousness, right? Absolutely. Talking and talking and talking about tips and tricks and how to beat the system. Almost all of the guidance given, wildly wrong. Yeah. And who's going to spend any time trying to trick a system for a reward that they don't care about? Um, yeah, that would be a little bit like the definition of insanity, right? If you're right, if there's a there's a good reason that they're putting out all this guidance because people want to be successful. People, care. yeah. They, they want to be successful in an interview. There wouldn't be so much space on the web given over to interviewing and the guidance unless people believe that interviews were important. It's a direct reflection of our feeling about interviewing. So even if you believe that interviews are inherently bad, and that's a good philosophical discussion. Uh, generally, I think most people would agree. We're not here to debunk that. We are here to say that you can't talk about how important they are if you're spending or you can't say that they're not important if you're spending a bunch of time researching methods to beat them. There's a reason that people are trying to game the system. So if that's the case, what other part of our professional lives that we think of as important, do we act as if we could go into unprepared? You know, Is there anything else professionally that we believe is important that we would allow someone to be unprepared or not ready for? And of course, the answer is no. Right? We'd argue that the inevitable result of a professional thinking, this is important, in fact, actually means I have to prepare. The logic, it just, it's inevitable. Yes, exactly. If interviews are important and the definition of importance for professionals is worthy of preparation. And I can't even imagine the amount of stress you would experience if you already felt stressed about your interviews and then you also did nothing. If for no other reason. Twice as stress. Yeah, you you should be preparing, if for no other reason, to give you something to focus on that is not your feelings of anxiousness and worry and stress about it. So the definition of importance for professionals means worthy of being prepared, worthy of preparation. Absolutely. And since that's true, a candidate's level of preparation is a reasonable estimate on the part of the interviewer of that candidate's professionalism. Absolutely. If that part of their professional development hasn't led them to this conclusion of, you know, doing one's duty and being knowledgeable about the task at hand, if that's not there, we're in trouble. And it definitely is at manager tools. Yeah. And if that's important to you, your organization, then a candidate who's not prepared must be ruled out. Yes, absolutely. Basically, lack of preparation is just a bad sign. Either the candidate isn't interested enough in the role 
and they don't care enough about you and your organization, or they don't care about preparation generally and therefore professionalism. Yeah, who wants to hire that person? Exactly. And we just interviewed someone. Exactly. We just went through this process. We we actually just hired someone. It's really exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a really exciting time for us. And that person was really prepared. We don't we don't have to say that person, right? We can say Cassie. Um, <laughs> Cassie's getting her first podcast mention. Mm-hmm. She was incredibly prepared. Um, she actually, you know, listened to all the casts and all that stuff. We've made jokes before. I think Wendy and I make a lot of jokes about we would never hire someone who came to interview here and hadn't listened to all of our interviewing guidance. And that's a high level of preparation. I mean, it's hours of casts and, you know, note taking and not, not at all. Even just getting, I think, your resume ready for us is a couple of hours. You know, I get, I don't know about you, but I get resumes from a lot of people who um, I always feel kind of badly. It's its a good acid test, though, because they send you your resume, their resume and they say, hey, can you help me? And uh, if the first thing is, yes, but this resume needs a complete overhaul, which will probably require <laughs> four hours of work and they don't want to do it, then, hey, guess what? Yeah. Unlikely that uh, that's going to go well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. How do you interview for the people that wrote the book? <laughs> literally. Like literally. With fear in your heart. Uh, with absolute right? terror exactly. in your heart. Which we we don't want people to be afraid. We don't. Uh, and I hope Cassie would say that we were really, really kind. Um, I, I think that we were. And we require the same level of preparedness for interviewing mm-hmm. here that we would require for internal. We're working here. Yeah, absolutely. On a day-to-day basis. And we see it as a reflection of professionalism, which absolutely uh, that's that's really important to us. We wouldn't we wouldn't send somebody to the conference who <laughs> wasn't prepared. That would be so bad. Oh my gosh. Can't imagine how scary that would be for someone. I know, right? You've done it. You know how scary. <laughs> I haven't done it unprepared though. My gosh. <laughs> that exactly. You're Hours absolutely of, right. Uh preparedness and practice. So Okay. Then the next piece is lacking of self-knowledge. Oh, gosh. Uh, the first thing you should know is yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If nothing else, that's what you're here for, right? There is all kinds of guidance that say candidates must prepare by knowing about you, your company, the role. And surely, as we'll see, there are still candidates who don't know it and don't follow through by learning about and thinking about what they're getting themselves into. Right? Those candidates exist. But do we really think that any of that guidance or information trumps the fact that interviews are about the candidate selling themselves and their abilities? That's why yeah. we're here, to learn about the candidate. Yeah, of course not. Candidates know that we're not going to ask them a bunch of questions about what they know about us. We want them to know things, but we're not going to sit them down. None of the questions are, do you know our revenue? Mm-hmm. Do you know our you know, revenue streams, like that's not what's going to be the heart of the interview. And candidates should know, they should be aware that the majority of every interview, if you don't know this, guys, the majority of all the interviews you're going to go to are about what they, the candidate has done and how well they've done it in the past. And therefore, it's reasonable for us to expect every candidate to know these things. You know, how can we forgive them not being ready to talk about what they've done and how well they've done it. I don't think that we can. No, we can't. It's about them. Now, look, 
Guys, we understand that interviewees are nervous, right? They have the same insecurities as all of the other people on the planet do. We know they might not know exactly how to study their own backgrounds, right? Or quite how to go about talking about themselves. And so often now in the workplace, we're we're dissuaded from using I and using we, right? So it can lead candidates to not want to be selfish or come across as selfish, to present themselves as a team player. The society leads itself to them not wanting to make it about them. When in fact, of course, interviews are by definition about them. Right? So we're not looking for perfection. Right. A good interviewer is going to be willing to dig a little bit, right? Uncover those things based on the knowledge that eh, they might not want to look selfish here. We know interviews are stressful and not everyone's a great communicator. There's a difference, though, between someone who's a little bit clumsy when talking about their strengths and abilities and kind of fumbles through it, and one who hasn't thought one iota about those things at all. It's different. Yeah, of course. That would be shocking. But if you're looking for what do we think you should should be aware of, what do you think you should be paying attention to uh, here, we recommend if you're listening for a sign that a candidate is unprepared relative to their own self-knowledge, what you're looking for is how they've made the decisions they've made. You know, Decision-making happens every day in a job. So one of the things we want to know is, do they understand how their decisions are made? Because a candidate who can't describe their analysis, their choices, their rankings of those choices, they probably won't be able to make repeatable, justifiable decisions in their work environment. You know, that thought process, that chain of, of thoughts of, comparing things and then analyzing and then looking at the choices and then deciding, that's going to be something they have to do every single day if they work for you. It could be work decisions. You know, it could be career decisions that we're looking at. Like in, if you ask someone about their tell me about their self, yourself answer, if you ask someone tell me about yourself and they can't describe to you why they chose that university or why they chose that first job, then it's not really likely that you're talking to somebody who has, you know, a a full process that they think through when they make decisions. And that could put us in some some danger, right? That they just go with their gut. Although I think a lot of us feel like we go with our gut and you you have to remind yourself of why and how you make those choices. It's just that if we can ask them about it, if they can describe how they've made their choices in the past, it's much more likely that they'll continue to use that same thought process. And then that gives us data about how they're gonna do it when they work for us. So that's one of the things is how how they've made their decisions mm-hmm. in the past, why and how they've made those decisions. And then also how how they work with other people. How they people. work with people. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, we talk a lot about different jobs. And um, when I talk to people, about, which, of course, was what we do, right? We talk to people about their jobs. And you know what I hear the most about is not, you know, oh, I had to build this spreadsheet. And it was really hard. I don't hear about pivot uh-huh. tables. I don't hear about analyses or anything like that. What I hear about is the people at their job. That's what people talk about. They don't talk Absolutely. about their work. They just talk about how hard it is to work with other people. The thing is, there's humans everywhere. The only people who aren't dealing with humans at work are people who are coding in their mom's basement. And even then, one day they need to come out. Yeah. They're still dealing with somebody. It doesn't matter how good someone's you know, job skills, technical skills, tactical job knowledge is if they can't work with other people. We've talked about this, I think, 
many times over the years. In fact, our first podcast, right, Solution to a Stall Technical Career, was about that. That it was about people. People. You have to work with people. Like, no matter how good you are, someday relationships matter. Absolutely. And especially in this situation with the hiring process. Mm-hmm. You're hiring somebody means you're taking them out of a place, uh, a group that they know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now there's a new group of people, a new set of individuals to get to know if they can ex- describe to us how they get to know people and how they're able to build relationships and those connections, um, how they're able to work with people through those difficult and trying circumstances. And when things are going well, that's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do with the humans at your at your organization? If you're hiring for a manager, for a managerial role, not being able to describe how they manage, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big one. I think, too, you know, there's there's humans in that process, but a lot of it is just that relationship building piece, especially here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're hiring someone who can't describe how they work with people or how they interact, that's not a good thing. And specifically for managers, if a candidate can't describe how they manage and then give you also an example that an example. shows, yeah, they have to be able to, it's not about, well, I think I would do it this way, or here's a really pretty fancy answer. It's about an example that they've actually done it in the past that we can walk through and say, this is how I did it. That's a big problem if they can't do that. Right. That's the thing. And it's common that people want to talk in hypotheticals. Oh, gosh, it's so hard. They want so much to give you like a fancy answer. Although I think, look, if you're listening to this and you're and you're worried as an interviewee, which is, of course, not the, the focus of this cast, but if you're worried, guys, we get it. There's a lot of bad interviews out there. There's tons yeah. of them. I've been asked, a, you know, a few questions. There's a question I think the classically the the kind of anecdotal one is the one about like if you have a rowboat and there's people gotta get across the <laughs> river. Right. The one I hear though that kills me is if you were a color, what color would you be? Oh yeah, dude. If I was a color, I would not be hiring for a job. I'd be in the hospital. I don't understand. Yeah. Like I know that's too analytical, but um, tell me how that. Gives right. you some insight. How that in, helps. Yeah. Wait. So if I was blue, I would be... mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not helpful in terms of predicting success. Absolutely. If I was a blue person, would I be more successful? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> unlikely. Unlikely. Um, the, the other thing here is how have they failed and recovered? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's failed. Yeah. Everyone's made mistakes many, many times over. Yeah. We're always fumbling, and fumbling, making mistakes, is not problematic, right? Yeah, it's fine. What's not okay, though, is not learning and growing from your failures. Absolutely. Right? Like, if you can't even describe your failures, which they don't blame on external forces, and then tell you how the next time their behaviors changed, then we cannot assume they've learned from the mistakes, Making a mistake once isn't a problem. If you took the value gained from that error and you changed things and you made it better going forward, that's how we learn. Yeah. But not being self-aware enough to realize that you had mistakes or be able to explain them, that is problematic. It means you're bound to make the same errors over and over. That's not okay. No, it's not. Also, I think... There's a little bit of rigidity there, I think. That's how I would feel about it If a, in a candidate's answer if, you know, they they didn't learn. It's almost like, what makes you believe that that's 
going to make you successful. Right. Oh, I mean, I guess maybe they have some data from the past that that repeating that mistake is fine. I certainly don't want to deal with them repeating the same mistake over and over again. Exactly. As a manager, I don't, I'm not really buying into that. No, it doesn't sound fun for me at all. It doesn't sound fun for me at all. Exactly. Maggie, our business development director, spent a good part of her morning on the phone with an HR executive who is trying to develop a program for her managers and professionals that will allow the company to grow from 125 to 500 employees in two years. We offer several ways to get our guidance into your organization at various price points and depending on the support you need. What's more, we have ways to sustain the training beyond the initial phase making it very affordable and realistic to maintain the continuity of the new behaviours. If you're in growth mode, contact Maggie at maggie at manager-tools.com and have a chat. We're here to help. The next one is lack of knowledge of role organisation. Yeah, absolutely. If, If a candidate really believed all they read about prepping for the company that they were hiring, that they were trying to be hired, by, then why wouldn't everyone know a great deal about the job and the organization? Yeah, if if all that stuff they tell you is true, then of course you should be pretty well versed. You know, I remember talking about all this when I was very first coming out of university and being a little worried because a lot of it's really opaque. It's very hard, I think, to know what the job entails you know, and, yeah. and what that stuff is going to be like. Just the posting. Yeah. And it's still part of your responsibility to to be as prepared and as knowledgeable as you can be. Absolutely. As a hiring manager, the conclusion I would draw for somebody being unprepared to answer basic questions about the company is that they've not prepared at all. Right. That would be the place to start. Right. Since all the popular guidance out there says that it's pivotal that you know about the company, regardless of the actual significance of that information, we want to see that folks have actually tuned in to popular guidance in at least an attempt to succeed. You know, if they don't know anything about us, then they shouldn't exactly. be interviewing. Right. Um, so there's definitely that. Okay. So finally, a lack of knowledge of basic questions would be a good reason to say no. Yeah. Like, tell me about yourself, for example. <laughs> Not everybody is going to know that the best way, which is, side note, the way we teach, is like how they ought to answer it. Sure. That's okay. But their answer has to show some sort of preparation in the tell me about themselves answer. Yeah. It can't be like hyper casual, like, oh, I wasn't expecting to talk about myself at all, right? (laughs) Or, Or change repeatedly, like say things that don't actually add up. Yeah. Like if they mistake it, like for example... Um, the tell me about yourself answer as thinking that they're supposed to walk through and review their resume with you. Maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. But it's not okay if we probe them. They give super shallow answers, right? And we can't actually figure out why and how they did what they did based on what they're telling us. Absolutely. It would be one thing for them not to know how to answer. It would be quite another if the content of their answer still shows a lack of self-knowledge. It's right. it's two separate things. It's it's not the texture of the answer that we're worried about. It's the content of what, you know, it reveals in terms of 
the de- their decision-making process. It's a really good place. Tell me about yourself is a really good place to highlight those decision-making skills. And if they're not prepared for tell me about yourself, which is, by the way, in what I would say 99% of interviews, the very first question ends up being, then not only are they unprepared, but they're maybe just not really paying attention. Yeah, yeah there's all kinds of signs there. Right. And one of the signs is, I'm going to say lack of truth. Oh, that could be. Yeah, absolutely. We've all made mistakes, right? And we talked about this just a minute ago. Like We have all made mistakes as we're going through our careers and our lives. We've all misstepped and done things that in hindsight, okay, that was a bad choice. But we want to see some self-awareness mm-hmm. right? that they made some mistakes and they recognized it. Now, just because the alternative to that really is, I guess, hiding the truth because they made a mistake and don't want to look badly for it. Mm, What I want to see is a a candidate who becomes someone that works for our organization that when they make mistakes is willing to say, hey, I made a mistake. Yeah, of course. Not someone willing to sweep it under the rug to make themselves look good, right? Yeah, for sure. We want what we see in the interview. Mm -hmm. Good. It would also be not a good sign, if they weren't ready for behavioral questions. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you ask some behavioral questions and they give third-person answers or theoretical answers or really short, like one-minute long answers, these are all huge red flags. What you're hearing is, I don't have enough content here. And if you probe and you get really good details, okay. But if that's the case, you might want to coach them on giving more details in their upfront answer. Because it's really hard as an interviewer to get to the meat of a question if there is meat, especially because that first answer just doesn't give you enough to dig into, right? So yeah, uh, you should coach them. If if you hear an answer that you think is a red flag and then you probe and you find out that actually underneath it, there's some really good stuff, then talk to them about that and say, you know, I'd like to hear more of this kind of information as, you know, the upfront answer. Exactly. That was a really great example. Yeah. That helped me understand. Exactly. Yeah, good. I'm less worried about them not knowing how to answer the question as to as I am them not having an answer at all. Mm-hmm. Right? It's one thing to Absolutely. fumble your response and not answer in a coherent and like attractive, well-structured way. It's another to not have anything to say. Right. And I, you know, that's the classic story about we interviewed someone and they sound really great, but actually they didn't say right. anything. Uh, it's all pretty words. So, Absolutely. And then strengths and weaknesses. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a standard question. Not having a ready answer to a standard interview question that we can expect in 90% of the interviews is a sign of just embarrassing lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. Right? And on top of that, the weakness answer, well, that's really a strength. Right? Yeah. Yeah. My weakness is... Being a leader, right? I I like to take charge of too much stuff. It makes me too busy. That's a joke. It's not truthful. Well, it's more like, too, I hear the one a lot where people say, like, what's your greatest weakness? And the person says, oh, I'm just overly honest, right? That's, Mm -hmm. it's cagey. It's meant to be. It's cagey. Yeah, it's like, it's it's disingenuous, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like, I'm giving you a response that I know makes me look good, which, by the way, is the point of your answers. And everyone has a weakness. So pretending that you don't have any by by well, giving really a strength. Know. I have none. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that shows a lack of self-awareness. And yes, exactly. A will, an unwillingness to admit where you have room to grow, which absolutely everyone has, right? We ha- everybody has room to grow. So absolutely. Yeah, if they say that I don't have any weaknesses, uh, you should run. Right. We all have them. Yeah. Not showing them is a red flag. Mm, it just is. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that's our cast, guys. Interviews are important. Importance means preparation. Whether you hear clues based on specific targets or generally see a lack of preparation, just say no, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be prepared for the tasks you give them at work. An unprepared candidate begets an unprepared direct. Don't expect that what you see in real life is going to look any different than what you see in the interview scenario. It's a recipe for disaster. Just say no. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Kate. Folks, a special long-term licensee shout-out this week to Deborah Rojas. Deborah has been with us since November of 2006. That's 13 years. You know, it seems like in the world today, relationships get shorter and shorter and... uh, We're just trying to say thank you to people who have been with us for this long. Uh, It means a great deal to us that you have a relationship with us that shows that we're providing you value, and we hope to continue earning your trust for years. Deborah, thank you for being with us for 13 years. Thanks for joining us this week. That's all. We'll talk to you next week. 